More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in hour number two. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Buck and I are down in Miami. We are doing the show here. Bit of news for you to set your calendars for. We hope you're going to be with us every day, no matter what. But tomorrow... Uh, breaking news here on the show. We are going to be live from Mar-a-Lago, and President Trump will join us for an hour on the program, and we will talk about a variety of different topics. So you are not going to want to miss tomorrow's show, um, as uh, we will be at Mar-a-Lago as we were what February of last year, yep. and then we went to Bedminster with the president. Uh, up in New Jersey last year as well. Uh, but all of the Republican primary candidates have been on the show, but we are going to give President Trump the show from Mar-a-Lago tomorrow. So we will be hitting a ton of different topics. That should be a lot of fun as anybody out there who uh, listens to President Trump knows. An hour, uh, an hour with him, just so we're clear. We're going to yeah. have a whole hour talking to Trump here on the show. And so you should really listen to all three hours of the show so you can get all your news of the day from us, the first two hours. And then we'll have, uh, number 45, President Trump with us in the third hour. And I, I there are some things to talk about. Quite, with, quite a few topics to yeah. be discussing with, some uh, things with happening. President Trump. You know, it's been, I know it's been very quiet for him recently. There hasn't been a lot going on in his life, but, uh, I have a feeling we'll have some things to discuss with him. Uh, no doubt. It, it is going to be interesting. And among many things that we will be discussing with us, and again, he's going to join us for the entire third hour live on air, uh, in, uh, tomorrow's program. There's an interesting editorial, um, in the Wall Street Journal. And I was reading it this morning, Buck, and the headline is, Will Trump be indicted into office? And the subheading, TV ads focused on his legal troubles backfired, so they never aired. Um, and, and so this is really interesting. I'm reading from this editorial book because it's one of the topics that we've been discussing a great deal ever since the lawfare against Trump began. The idea for Democrats has been we're going to charge him with felonies. 
that's going to make him unpalatable to large segments of the population. They're not going to respond to him. Uh, the, the ads, according to this, um, were, uh, were really interesting. Uh, and here I'm reading from this editorial. For Mr. Trump's critics who believe the legal system can knock him out of the 2024 presidential election, his civil uh, testimony Monday was, and again, we talked about that a little bit yesterday, um, but there was an article from uh, a Win It Back pack uh, in Politico says the group tested four TV ads focused on Mr. Trump's legal problems. And here's a quote. All four ads tested failed to move support away from Trump. And here from the Wall Street Journal, even more fascinating, three of the commercials increased Mr. Trump's support. Two of the TV ads backfired across almost all demographic groups. Uh, and the argument that the ads were going to be effective, they made them, they tested them, they found that they were effective for Trump, and so they never actually ran them. So, Buck, this is where kind of the calculus for Democrats, I think, is collapsing around them. I think if they were being honest, they never would have expected a year out that they would be in a position where Trump would be leading in five of the six swing states. Yeah. And... Their argument has been basically all this lawfare was going to help them. I wonder how much that is actually blowing up in their faces and it's strengthening Trump, not only with Republican primary voters, which I think has been the case, but also with independents who see this for what it is, a political prosecution. If you look to the beginning of Trumpism and and remember what was... Sure, there was build the wall. There was the talk about the border and and illegal immigration, but there was a a consistent refrain from uh, particularly the earliest Trump MAGA uh, folks out there, and it was that he was a single solitary extended finger in the direction of the establishment, the machinery, and the uniparty. That he was a a big slap in the face. Some even described him as kind of a weapon against the matrix or against the machinery, the apparatus of of uniparty control and the way things had been done. And that has been, even though he was the president for four years, in a sense resurrected that 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 sentiment, that feeling, because they have now entirely weaponized the machine against him. Yeah, right? it, it used to feel like he stepped in and said, "This is what's really going on. This is how." The American people are being uh, mistreated by the very uh, apparatus and bureaucracy and, and, you know, government leadership that's supposed to be serving their interests. And now we've seen them break precedent and and cross every Rubicon and you know, all the cliches apply to try to destroy him. So that there's one part of it for me that that it, it reminds me of what Trump's initial appeal was, which was that he was a weapon of destruction against the uniparty machine and against whether you want to say it's the sort of globalist mentality, the left wing authoritarian apparatus, um, and that he was look, drain the swamp. Remember that was the that was one of the big rallying cries of Trump twenty sixteen and for his first uh term in office. In addition to that though, and this is this brings me to the the legal side of it, there was a perception in twenty sixteen that the more that the public saw Trump 
the more likely it was Hillary would win. Oh, yeah, sure, there were these people that like the MAGA rallies with the hats on and everything, but CNN and MSNBC and NPR and the New York Times, they thought it was this amazing, like it was like a clown show that ensured Hillary's victory. It was one of the biggest miscalculations they in politics. They thought they could make money on the ratings of Trump, and it was actually going to be the best of both worlds Correct. for them. They, they would get the ratings, but but Hillary would still they win. They gave Trump effectively, I think the CNN assessment was, by running his rallies, the equivalent of like a billion dollars yes. of free media, thinking that they would get the huge ratings boost, and then also they were just, that effectively everybody was sitting around eating their great poupon, drinking out of tiny teacups, and be like, ha-ha, Trump will never be president, yes. right? And then we saw what happened in 2016. They may have, and I, I focus on the may, I don't know, because we get emails from people say, why do you say Trump is already the nominee, or why do you say he's not already, we're not saying anything about what is, because we don't know yet, but there seems to be a very realistic possibility here, Clay, that they may have made another monumental miscalculation yes. with these indictments. The same way that it was put him on TV and no one will vote for him when the general election comes. Not no one, but, you know, there's no way he'll win. 97% chance of Hillary. Indict him four times. Drag him into civil court. There's no way independents will vote for him. The Democrats may have misread the mood of the American people on this. May. Well, and the data on these ads that they were going to try to run is incredibly troubling for them. So, again, think about where we are with the New York Times six swing state poll. Remember, Biden's campaign spent 25 million in these swing states because you don't spend that money if things are looking good and the numbers are still bad. This makes me think, Buck, that ultimately, as we sit here one year out, and by the way, it is election day in many different states and we encourage everybody out there in an election state, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, Ohio, Virginia, Kentucky especially, go vote, make sure that your voice is heard. But a year from now, I think we're going to spend billions of dollars on both directions, and everybody is already going to have pretty much made up their mind on Trump and Biden because both of them have been president. And I think what this election is going to come down to is, who do you trust on the economy? And if I'm right about that, Trump's going to win if he's the nominee. Now, I've said on this show, and I'll continue to say it, I don't just think Trump would beat Biden. If Trump is the nominee, he's going to win, I think, based on where we're sitting right now. I think that Nikki Haley would win. I think that Ron DeSantis would win. I think that, and you disagree on this one, Vivek Ramaswamy would win. Which is why that makes it sound like I'm a vacator, no, no, no. by the way. I just I just think you'd have a tough time but national would, name recognition. You know, I I I like Vivek. I just don't know if you he could agree beat the with president. you agree with me that Trump, DeSantis, and Nikki Haley would all beat Biden if they ended up being the nominee. If the election were held now, so right now, right, okay. If it were now, I can't say what now, it would be in a year. The difference on DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Vivek is they aren't really that well known. I mean, you guys well, that's all why know I'm with Vivek, the, the name recognition. Politics, but Clay, there are a lot of people who'd be like, Vivek, who still? But everybody knows Trump and Biden. And I think this is the problem that the Biden people are recognizing. And this is why, and I was driving on the slowest Uber ride possible on I-95 last night to get to Miami. I was talking with my wife about this. She is of the opinion that 
the big fix is in. And that's at some point Biden's getting wiped out. She just she's not a political person in the same way that you or I would be. But she just is of the opinion that at some point the Biden rug gets pulled out from underneath him. And I'm she's not like plugged in like like you and me are. I still, Buck, just cannot conceive of the fact that Joe Biden is actually going to be the nominee. So as much time as we may talk about Trump, Biden, and RFK Jr. and all these things, I still feel like even all the way up to until they nominate Joe Biden officially at the DNC. I know, you're going to make me sweat out, sweat my I, bet here the whole time. You, know, you and like O'Reilly the, and Tucker, you guys have all I taken the other like side. I the fix is in. Now, the question I asked my wife last night, because she's like, the fix is in, there's no way they're going to run Biden. And I said, okay, who makes that call? The only person is Joe Biden. This is even you ask. That's anyone, my argument. The only person is Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is a guy who gets up. He lives for this. You will have to, you know, he will have to be carried out of the White House. He is not a guy her who's argument, going to give this up willingly. I, there, her argument, and I think there are other people out there who say this, is I don't know who the shadowy cabal that runs the Democrat Party is. This is her argument. I agree with you that Joe Biden, the, the, what I said yesterday is, an intervention style I could see working where you have Gavin Newsom and Pritzker yeah. and Whitmer, and they're all like, hey, we don't want to do this, but we are going to announce. And it's not just one guy walking up and yanking the rug out from underneath them. It's multiple Democrats saying we're going to run, but we want you to make this choice on your own. We're not going to go public, but in you know two weeks we're going to do Okay. Her argument is that somebody's going to – that some corruption that is slowly trickling out, the – uh, Democrat Party, everybody claiming, oh, there's nothing here. That's a very dangerous game to play with a sitting president. I, that, well, that's what I said. Uh, I said. I don't know. I, don't, I said I, I, I don't, don't buy so. into this. But, I, but I'm hearing this not is only like, from this my... This is starting to yeah. get into like a Daniel De Silva novel or, or something, or John Grisham. Or, or what I told her. I said, you realize House of Cards is a TV show, right? Yeah. And, and uh, But I think there are a lot of people out there that do believe that the, the fix is going to be... Called in it's, on Biden. It's, it's, I, I sit here and I just keep shouting this in the wilderness, although there are more and more people who are now sitting next to me in the wilderness shouting the same thing. The power of presidential incumbency is vast. The idea that Democrats would allow for there to be some other last minute thrown together. There is no infrastructure. There is no plan up to this point. You have Democrats who are writing op-eds who are saying, we need Biden to step aside or we need, if there was a plan, they wouldn't be writing those op-eds because it would already be in motion and they would know about it. David, unless, Ax- David Axelrod would already, and what, unless they're like throwing a smoke screen up? No, no, see- I'm saying unless Obama is pulling all the th- strings and at the Democratic National Convention, suddenly Michelle Obama no, is out don't there. Don't do this to I'm me. Just saying, don't do I'm this just to me saying, with your Michelle Obama if, if stuff. I, 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 that tablet magazine She's article that we read, Buck. It was amazing, but that was Obama's advisors, yeah. and it was the Obama apparatus, He's and it was still Obama. In DC. You know, oh, of course, and that's very, uh, that's very strange. What, no for a one president. has ever stayed in DC post presidency. You can get from his house to the White House in less than ten minutes in a car. Like he's right there. So if you were a default Democrat Party royalty. 
Michelle Obama, she's a big wig. She doesn't want it. I'm right. telling you. How many people actually don't want the job when it's offered to them? There's difference between I'm not going to interview, I'm not going to go know. out to freaking, well, you know, well, like we're going to find out in New Hampshire. When we, when we asked Trump if he'd make you his VP, because I think, you know, that puts a lot of things <laughs> in play. So, all right, we'll get I, back to this. Um, is Clay crazy? That's the way we'll put it at 800-282-2882. Question of the day, question of the hour. Is he crazy on this one or is there going to be the last minute? So you think that you're with Bill. Bill O'Reilly's been saying this on this show too. It's not because, because the, the, the standard way, guys, every, the clock is ticking. I mean, the it's ballot so, access. It's so it would reckless have to, be, to put Biden forward. Uh, I just, I, I, I think that there's got to be somebody out there thinking about the Democratic National Convention. Because then you let him be president yeah. up until the last moment, basically. But then the rug gets pulled out. 800-282-2882. Which one of us is nuts? Let us know. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. Choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been qualified with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more information. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2 of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. 
I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, yes, we're speaking tomorrow, as you know, for an hour on the air on this show with President Donald Trump. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be an excellent, excellent chat and sit down. You know, Trump has been in New York City, and he's going through a civil trial. His attorney, Alina Haba, was speaking outside of the courthouse yesterday, and uh, needless to say, she is not very happy with the proceedings. Play nine. I don't care who you are. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can put objections on the record. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at, and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. Unhinged judge? Uh, I think she referred to the Attorney General, Letitia James, trying to find what the exact quote is here, but um, as just not that bright, that was the quote of the uh, of Letitia James. Clay, the civil trial seems to be working in Trump's favor. He is not scared. No, and remember, the ju- the attorneys are also subject to this gag order, and... What I will say in general, we're going to take a bunch of your calls, by the way, 800-282-2882. A lot of people want to weigh into the conversation we're just having as we get ready to go to the bottom of the hour. Without cameras in the courtroom, all of this, I think, works to Trump's favor. And I'm curious whether cameras in the courtroom would also work to his favor. Just think about it a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Our men and women in the military face some challenges when their service is complete. Finding a private job. In uh, the the private sector, not easy, let alone the notion while you're in the service, compensation is modest. It's why so many veterans incur debt in the first few years of private life. Our friends at Pure Talk have decided to do something about that this year. They've committed to raising $10 million to retire veteran debt, donating a good portion of your monthly fees. When you switch your cell phone service from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile to Pure Talk, you're helping to reach the goal, and you're doing so without sacrificing any quality in cell phone service either. As of today, Pure Talk, more than 90% of the way towards the goal. And with your help this week, they'll surpass the goal and be able to put more than $10 million towards helping our veterans. Remember, you sacrifice nothing. In fact, you'll probably save money because Pure Talk plans start at just 20 bucks a month. Unlimited talk, text, more data, mobile hotspot. Just dial pound 250. Say the keywords Clay and Buck. That's pound 250. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. On the front lines of truth. A lot of you want to weigh in on a variety of topics as we roll towards the Republican debate tomorrow. We just mentioned we're going to be live at Mar-a-Lago for tomorrow's show. President Trump will join us, and we are joined now by Ronna McDaniel, who is putting on this debate for the Republican National Committee tomorrow here in Miami. It is the third different event uh, of the primary calendar debate season. I believe there is a fourth coming up soon. Rana, my understanding is five candidates have made the stage for tomorrow night's debate. What can you tell us about tomorrow's event, and what should we expect to see? 
Correct. Thank you for having me. We have five that have made it. Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Chris Christie. I just almost blanked on the last one. So they've all made it. I I do think that you're going to have a different format than the past two where there'll be time for opening statements and closing statements, a longer answer period of a minute and a half for each question. And I do expect this will be a more policy-driven debate. A lot has changed in the world since October 7th. And I think you're going to hear a lot of national security issues on that debate stage. So on the national security side of things, obviously big focus because of what's going on with uh, Israel and, and Hamas right now. Obviously much more Republican than Democrat unity on this issue. Um, what do you think? I mean, what are your expectations as these candidates are going to be discussing their foreign policies? Do you, do you think that there is are, are there rather heavy distinctions in how they approach Things like Ukraine and and Israel that are on the uh, forefront of people's minds, or is the GOP largely on the same page? Well, I certainly think with Ukraine, you've seen differences within our party, and I think Vivek Ramaswamy and Ramaswamy and Governor DeSantis have taken some different positions than, say, a Nikki Haley and a Tim Scott. I think with Israel, uh, we're all speaking from from one voice as a party, as opposed to the Democrats. We very clearly understand that. It was a terror attack by Hamas. I think the calls for ceasefire or humanitarian pause are ridiculous, and we have 200 hostages still being held. I think these candidates showing strength and moral clarity in a time of uh, of uncertainty in our world will be very clear and a great contrast between what we've seen with the Democrat Party as they've allowed very, very anti-Israel, anti-Semitic voices to wage within their party, and I'm thinking of somebody like Rashida Tlaib from my home state of Michigan. Uh, Rana, when you look at five on the stage tomorrow, in your opinion, if you aren't making it on the stage for the debates, is it time for you to drop out of the race? Well, they'll make that decision for themselves. I think it's harder to get traction if you're not on a debate stage. And I think our criteria has been very fair. But I'll just say this, uh, in, in the past cycles in 2015, we still had two debate stages. We still had 14 people who went into Iowa. We're down to five. And what is the criteria for this debate? 4% in the national poll and the ability to get 70,000 small dollar online donations. I don't think that that is a huge hurdle. If you're running for president, I liken it to the Olympics. You don't get to go to the Olympics unless you're able to pass certain criteria And I really felt strongly, and so did the debate committee, that we did not want this debate stage to be used to propel people to book deals or media contracts or cabinet positions. The voters in our party deserve to see substantive discussions by candidates who potentially can receive that nomination. We're speaking to Ronna McDaniel, uh, head of the RNC. Ronna, you know, I know I want to look ahead a little bit because we have a lot of folks who listen. And, and they understand the stakes for 2024. They understand how important it is that we take this country and, and put it back on the right track and start moving in the right direction, uh, with a, a Republican president and hopefully a Republican House and Senate. Um, but they say, what's the point if we haven't fixed election issues? How do we know that election integrity, election integrity is going to be as strong as we need it to be this time around? What do you say to that? What, what what can you tell people to help them, you know, allay those fears a little bit that there'll be shenanigans um, and and that therefore it's not really going to be the election that we deserve? 
Yeah, here's what I would say. First of all, Republicans, we are shiny object voters. We like to wait till we get a candidate, and we have to learn to invest in the infrastructure. The RNC is in 65 different lawsuits right now. Democrats just went into Montana, for example, to try and strip away a law that doesn't allow people to vote register register twice to vote. The RNC just intervened in that case. We just won a big case on voter ID in New Hampshire. All of this is being played out right now, and everybody likes to wait until election year. There's no more election year, just like there's no more election day. Elections are all, all always ongoing in the courts. The other thing is we have to educate our voters to bank your vote early. We have to vote by mail. We have to vote by absentee. If that's the law in the books, we're going to ballot harvest. The RNC's launched the Bank Your Vote website. We're launching it state by state. We have to start engaging our voters. You can't win a football game if you're scoring just in the fourth quarter. We have to be using all four quarters of the game to win. And, And part of our ability to give voters confidence is that it's not only the 65 lawsuits we're in, but the robust poll watching program we're, we're developing, recruiting poll workers to be involved, putting councils into the states, it takes everybody engaging. Go to GOP.com. Be a volunteer. We need people engaged in the process. It's so easy to be on the outside saying, what are you going to do to fix it? We can't fix it without help. It's resources and volunteers. Ronna, uh I believe there are reports, I don't know if you officially announced it, that there will be a fourth Republican debate yeah. in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in December. How many more debates do you anticipate as we move through the primary season? What does the calendar look like? Obviously, the caucus is on January, uh, early in January, I think January 15th, if I've got the date right, uh, and then you move on to New Hampshire. What does the rest of the debate calendar look like? So we haven't set all of the debates. I anticipate there'll be one in Iowa and New Hampshire, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. It's tough, you know, because... President Trump hasn't been on the debate stage. We obviously would love to have all the candidates on the debate stage. And there's been calls, don't have debates. I feel very strongly that if we stop debates, they wouldn't go away. Candidates would negotiate directly with TV stations. But at the same time, those candidates in our party deserve their opportunity to speak to the American people. And then when the votes come in, we all need to rally around whoever that nominee is. But the process needs to play out so that every voter who's supporting any candidate feels like their candidate was given that opportunity to make their case. Ronna, a lot of our audience has been upset that NBC got this debate uh, because certainly they have had not necessarily fair coverage. Like the Clay and Buck show didn't get this debate. I'm just throwing that out there. Debate. You guys got. I, I mean, we you know, we thought we might be asked. Well, so what do we have to do to bid? Is it complicated? We have uh, an here, process. Uh, so NBC so here's the got thing. it. Yeah. Here's Why? the thing. It's hard. The debate stuff. We did Fox twice. The RNC doesn't pay for the debates. Newsflash. Everybody in America, we don't pay for it. The networks do. Um, and so when the networks pay for the debates, tell me another conservative network. We have gone to some conservative networks who said no. I'm not going to name them on your show. So we did try, but they couldn't afford it and they couldn't do it. What does the debate cost? Debate, we, it's about four million. And then <laughs> oh, that's why we didn't bid, by the way. We do have Salem Radio as a partner, right? And they have allowed Hugh Hewitt, who I think we all agree is a conservative voice, in the editorial decision making of this debate. This is the first time this has ever happened. So we're hearing it, we understand it, we know there's frustration, but I also will add this. We can't just sit in a conservative echo chamber and think we're going to win. 42% of this country are independent. 
We've got to go outside. There are a lot of passive news watchers who watch the Today Show but don't tune into Fox or CNN. And we need to be able to reach those voters because I have confidence in our message and what we stand for. And if you get a bad moderator, you just respond to them the way you want. Um, and I'm not scared of any moderator when we're going against them with what we stand for, with fixing the border, uh, taking down fentanyl, uh, fixing crime in this country, restoring our education for our kids, and getting our national security on, ta- on track and our en- energy independence and, and tackling inflation. We've got the right message, so I'm not really afraid of that. I understand people say that, but it's a much harder process and more complex than people understand. Rana, um, what is your confidence level you know, you're seeing this from a very specific vantage point and, and are hearing what people are saying in, in D.C. and in the corridors of power. What is your confidence level that the eventual Republican nominee is going to be squaring off against Joe Biden next year? I think it's going to be Joe Biden. Uh, you know, you are seeing this this huge movement in the Democrat Party to remove him, right? David Axelrod, we saw the New York Times polls, which, by the way, I don't believe anybody's up 11 points in Nevada. I don't, I think these polls are being pushed, pushed out to try and get Biden out of the race and he's not budging. Why? He knows there's more legal jeopardy coming his way. He knows what's out there that James Comer is going to find out in that oversight committee. He loves being president. So despite his party trying to push him out, he's not going anywhere and ballot access is an issue. They've already passed the deadline for three major states to get on the ballot. So if he doesn't get out now, the only real window would be at the convention. I know Ted Cruz thinks it's going to be Michelle Obama. I think it's going to be Joe Biden. Uh, and you are on Team Buck with this one, Rana, and that's a smart place to be because the Buckster usually gets I just, done. I can't imagine that they're possibly going to be reckless enough to run him. I just, they I, I feel like the they're going to find a way not to do it. They ran on the first time. Rana, just thanks so much for being with us. Rana McDaniel of the R, chairwoman of the RNC. Uh, GOP dot, uh, what was the website again? GOP.com or bankyourvote.com. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you. Ah, see, Clay? Ballot access, my friend. There are hurdles. There are challenges. Oh, I think, I think oh. at this point it's now going to be an RNC fix. He, he, you know, Clay, he just, he put out the call and now we got all these Michelle Obama is going to be the Democrat uh, nominee people calling in. So we'll take some of those calls in a second here along with some other calls as well. Let's talk about the Preborn Network of Clinics. They are on a mission nationwide to save lives. How? They welcome pregnant mothers in crisis deciding between life and abortion for their unborn baby. Preborn not only provides them with a free ultrasound to meet their child and hear their heartbeat, they also offer counseling both during the pregnancy and for up to two years after the baby is born. With Preborn's network of clinics, you don't have to be alone on your pregnancy journey. You will be supported and loved. All services are free, provided by donations from people like you and me that believe life starts with conception, but they need your help. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network of clinics for 24 hours. That could help save 200 babies' lives. It's a tax-deductible gift. Please give it some consideration, a leadership gift here. To donate, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby, or donate securely online at preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com. Dot com slash B-U-C-K. Preborn has a 100% charity rating, so you can give with confidence. Clay and Buck, 24-7. Subscribe today. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Clay and Buck. We're going to take some calls. So this is the portion of the show where all of our brilliant listeners who choose to call in are just going to share with us that they agree with Buck and and they think that Clay is off his rocker with this talk of a non-Biden, uh, a non-Biden nominee situation, Michelle Obama at the very end. I say this knowing that I think most of you are actually going to agree with Clay, at least the ones who have called in right now, which is pretty crazy. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I wish I could do steak bets with all of you, although I'd definitely, you know, be uh, gaining some weight because I'd be eating a lot of very tender cuts of beef. Steve in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. What have you got, Steve? Hey, good afternoon, guys. So, listen, I, I was picking up the phone and calling while you guys were talking about everybody's on that anybody but Biden kick, and it, it, it really bothers me. And Clay came out with Michelle Obama. I've been trying to say this for months now. Stop wishing President Biden away. He's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, guys, I'm a retired. Uh, I'm retired now, so I have plenty of time to peruse. My mornings are from 7 to 12, perusing local talk radio shows across the country. I'm not a Republican who has tunnel vision, and I'm quite conservative. So I know what's out there. I listen more to the independents and the Democrats in local communities, mostly in the in the areas in the states that we, we need to be competitive in. And I have to tell you, the only way we're going to lose this election is if we get rid of Joe Biden. 
He is. I'm with, he is I'm with you, by the way. I want Joe Biden to be the nominee. Steve, I don't want him to not be the nominee. My thing is, everything that you're saying, Democrats see it too. Over half of Democrats, Democrats, in the New York Times poll that came out this week, don't want Biden to be the nominee. I can't remember ever seeing something like that for an incumbent president. I mean, Donald Trump had something like 97% support within the GOP when he was running for re-election. Kelly, thank you, Steve, for calling in. Kelly in Daytona. What's going on, Kelly? Hey, thanks for taking my call. And I've been saying it for months with Clay. I think Michelle Obama is really the only chance they have of winning. She checks all the boxes. And just to think of the cards you can use, if you catch what I'm talking about on that. So, thank you for the call. I got to like, Kelly, what's the fanciest restaurant in Daytona? Because you're going to have to take me there, buddy. You're going to have, and Buck is going to gonna go wild on the wine list. It's going to get very expensive. So here, here's the thing. They're not imbeciles. And... The fact, I just can't get over Obama staying in D.C. Most presidents, when they finished eight years, now you could initially say, okay, I think their daughter was finishing at yeah. Sidwell Friends. Like, I get it. I'm a parent. I would stay in the city where my kid was finishing high school. They're still there. They're a short distance away. And all of the stories about Michelle Obama have been, oh, she doesn't want it. The number one way to get something, Buck, is often in claiming that you don't want it. So I understand the argument of she saw what it's required when you're going to all the diners in Iowa and you're going to all the diners in New Hampshire and you're on the road for a year campaigning. But imagine, when is the Democrat uh, convention? August, right? Or is it July? This summer, if they told you, hey, you don't have to do any of that, all you have to do is accept our nomination and run for president for three months, you will win, and then you keep Trump from being there. Remember, Trump would be locked in. What's the best way to try to get a competitive advantage? It's to let Democrat, let Republicans pick their candidate and then suddenly switch who you're running. I, I just, I'm telling you. It's gonna. I just still think it's gonna be Biden. Brendan in Staten Island. What's going on, Brendan? How you doing? Uh, I just want to say, uh, just like Steve said before, of course we'd all want, we would all want Joe Biden to be running. But the fact of the matter is, like uh, Clay said earlier, Obama is only a ten-minute drive from the White House. Right now, Obama is running things. Even even President Trump said that before. Obama is still the president, and Obama doesn't want to give up this power. So, but no, so who's so who who is the actual official president in your mind? If Democrats get their way, who becomes it? Either way, it's Obama. Obama is the president. Be it Gavin Newsom, be it Michelle Obama, be it Hillary Clinton, Obama's calling the shots. And what we have to do right now is, yes, we do have to keep on saying it like Mr. Cruz. We have to say, oh, it's not going to be Joe Biden. It's not going to be Joe Biden. We got to back them into a corner to say it is, it is. And if we got to say, oh, it's going to be Michelle. So we got to get Michelle on the defense saying, no, I'm not running. I'm not running. I'm not running. Brendan, Brendan in Staten Island. We love you. We love Staten Island. I think it's going to be Joe Biden. <laughs> so I just, I, I, think I just, I don't know what to tell you guys. It's going to be Joe Biden. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I don't think they can be reckless enough to do it. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 